0: You know what I love about this town is actually you. Everyone
1: in
2: it has got this massive soul. We're Luton people and that's what we care about. Hello everyone, welcome along to another episode of the Luton Town Supporters Trust podcast. I'm Kev, your host as always and alongside me for this uh, Wolves Review podcast podcast i've got the lutonian journalist james cunliffe and we've also got town fan dan barrett davis back we're still without tony he's failed another fitness test but he is on the mend and hopefully he'll be back on set as soon as possible um gents how are we doing yeah yeah really good mate yeah. good excellent stuff okay coming up on this podcast uh we will look back at luton's first point in the premier league we'll go through the game we'll talk about the positives one or two negatives. Uh, we will point out why Match of the Day got it completely wrong and why it was actually a penalty on Saturday afternoon. And we'll pick out a couple, well, one player in particular, I think that we'll all agree, uh, impressed over the course of the 90 or so minutes. Before we start this podcast, though, the amount of people that have come up to me since we released the episode uh, with David Wilkinson and given us uh, great reviews and everything, we we'll really, really, really appreciate that. I'm sorry if I've not had time to reply to everyone. We will try and get round to that at some point. But we're glad that you enjoyed it. And once again, we thank Wilco for being such a tremendous guest. And thanks to everyone for the comments on the podcast that we've released either side of that, particularly the uh, Wolves preview one. Well, we had a few uh, precious Wolves fans who uh, gave us a few comments. and um, Hello, precious Wolves fans. <laughs> and actually, we didn't disrespect you. Based on yesterday, we gave you far too much respect. And um, <laughs> that won't happen on this particular episode of the podcast. So, uh, James, let's go cracking. Mm-hmm. As you was on the um, preview podcast, it's only fair to start with you on the review one. What did you make of the game? Uh, I guess most importantly, the towner of the mark. But in true Luton style, we still come away feeling a little bit deflated.
3: Yeah, it's 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 kind of two things at once, isn't it, really? Because you get the first point. Um, everybody's really happy with that Um and they dominated the the game best performance of the season so far this improvement journey keeps happening uh, i know it gets keeps getting talked about but it is true um but then you on the flip side you're like well wow, they you know they were down to 10 men after you know 35 minutes 39 minutes something like that um and so you'd be expecting nil nil to go on and a win it the start of the second half wasn't ideal the rest of the game was pretty positive but you know, still still struggling to stick the ball in the net, which is um, you know, it's a it's a bit of a concern, but not something to get overly worried about at the moment. If we are talking about this um, improvement journey,
2: yeah, exactly, and it is it is an improvement journey, and I mean, Dan, for the you you often see on like the Sky graphic Luton over the last ten years and the, and the improvement. Mm. Well, actually, if you had that graphic and just had it for this season. It would start off here at sort of low and it would kind of go up in a 45 degree angle because we are improving with every performance. And now we've actually got a point, something tangible to show for our efforts. Exactly. And, you know, it goes back to
0: what what we've said many times about since we've been back in the Football League, how we've gradually grown and grown. I mean, you, you look at the gaps when we came up from League One to the Championship, it was probably like that. Um People listening, that's not much yeah. to go on. <laughs> no,
2: it's just like that if you're listening.
0: <laughs> it's just like that, and the Premier League, it's it's like that, but a lot bigger. Yeah. yeah. Um, and what we've what we have done, I mean, it, it took probably it, well, it took COVID to sort ourselves out in the Championship, and you know we we stayed stayed up on the last day with the skin of a teeth, um, and we've we've gone on and improved no end since then. Um, but I'm actually seeing more improvement in five games than I have for a long time I'd say over over a longer period of games from last season if you like um, yesterday was a bit frustrating but you know we, we, we're getting chances you know alright we're not scoring freely at the moment but we, we're making chances you've only got to look at how many attempts we had I think it was something like 20, 20 attempts on goal yesterday that's a huge improvement on what we've been getting and long may that continue
2: yeah it really is let's hope there's not another
0: pandemic to get it all going <laughs> <laughs> no that, without that that would be Ugh. rather nice I think hell of freeze over first wouldn't yeah. it surely hopefully mm. uh, yeah
2: hopefully that is the case um, do ooh. this on zoom again <laughs> <laughs> yeah <laughs> all of this um, sort of doom and gloom that's been in the outside world portrayed at Luton James and all of a sudden there's two teams below us we've got our first point on the board things are going in an upward direction And, you know, these people can worry about other teams now, the Burnleys and Sheffield Uniteds of this world. Don't worry about Luton. We're making our own way. We'll be, you know, we're getting there.
3: Well, luckily, just as we were recording this podcast, Sheffield United have taken the heat off Luton massively, hopefully with an 8-0 drubbing. Uh, They received it against Newcastle, so um, bottom of the league, and that's nice. I mean, we shouldn't mock them too much because it you know very well could happen to Luton. We well, have you know, still got to play both got, of those play, as well so <laughs> got to play Newcastle Liverpool Man City all that stuff but yeah. for now we'll bask in that little bit of um uh, little bit of glory that they've they've given it but um yeah I mean there was some praise wasn't there for for Luton um uh, is it, punditry wise, which was a turn up for the books because uh, we haven't seen much of that. I was,
2: well, we weren't last either. That was also a turn up for the books. Even though Palace and Fulham was nil nil and bored the shit out of everyone, I still expected them to find reason to put it in ahead of Luton against Wolves.
3: Yeah, yeah, I did. I mean, there were, if you just watched the match of the day one as well, uh, you didn't get the full flavour of what Luton were about. I mean, there was four or five opportunities or chances in the first. Um, five, ten minutes, I think. That. They really, as we were talking about in the previous podcast, we, we just wanted them to go at Wolves um, full throttle, and they did it. They um, went with Benny, who I know we'll talk about, who was fantastic, uh, and dropped Mads Anderson um, to the bench, which gave more of an attacking option in the formation side of it. And, yeah, Wolves didn't have a hit them for 25 minutes, and it, it it's just... It was just that that they couldn't stick the ball in. You know, Cotton Morris hits the post with a worldy shot. That goes in. Maybe the floodgates opened and little things like that. I mean, doubt he had a shot that Morris got in the way of. He was trying to get out of the way of. He got more in the way of by doing it. But, <laughs> um, yeah, there's, there's little things like that, really. And um, there's not too many times uh, Luton opened them up, but um, plenty of opportunities. And chances and crosses and things to, to get in there. I mean, one thing I would say is that Wolves put in so many blocks. They were just throwing bodies in the line. That says a little bit as well, doesn't it? About how many chances you create. And I think they were, you know, well above 20, 20 blocks for the game. Mm. Um, and it felt like that really. Some of them were last, last ditch. Um, you know, there was a Jacob Brown opportunity for a header that they, they sort of just got a little nick on that, that, that sort of thing. And it was frustrating, but I'm also wondering whether that is the level as well. When I mean, You know, the half half a yard that you've got to get a shot off. Maybe they're closing that down, so it needs to be even more, you know, on the money. Um, so we'll see. But, um, I mean, those are the positive things, really, aren't
2: they? Yeah, I think everything in this league has to be first time, doesn't it? The The things I've noticed now that we've had five games uh they don't give you the ball back if you give it to them. so you have to protect that football mm. the restarts with the multi-ball system in the Premier League the ball's back in before it's gone out of play whereas Luton are still letting teams get back and get get into their position whilst we're working out where we're going to throw it and all that these other teams they don't really give a shit who throws it or who they throw it to they just got to get the ball back in play and get on the and Wolves did that a few times um, thankfully nothing come of it uh, they'd still be playing now and I don't think that anything would come of it but That's another thing. And then, like you say, when you're in those key areas in the championship, time froze. You had all the time in the world to do what you want in this league times. They put it onto plus 30 mode on sky, don't they? And it's, you know, it's gone before you can blink, but these are the
3: things that we're going to learn. And, you know, certainly. And speaking to Edwards in the press conference afterwards, he was saying... I mean, he said it in the pretty much press that I was in as well, but he was saying it's almost like a different sport that they're playing now, the, the mm. speed of it. Because um, he got asked about what, what's the difference and he just went, everything. <laughs> <laughs> it's mostly speed yeah, and then execution. Mm. And, and he's right because you just got to look at the Wolves' goal. They had absolutely nothing going for them until that point. Yeah, And then they score and get their noses in front. And they only had they only had three shots in total on target and two of them came in the same corner mm. and fairly routine stops for, for Kaminsky. So, um, you know, from Luton's perspective, you know, reducing them and keeping the stat that is good. From a Wolves perspective, that was pretty, pretty poor from them, I would imagine. And maybe they're one of the teams we've got to finish above. Not if you are their manager though. Yes. Do you know, <laughs> do you know what? Um, I was in the press conference, post-match press conference yesterday and he spoke for 15 minutes. And other than the fact that he swears blind that the penalty shouldn't have been a penalty and that Wolves deserve to win, which were both delusional. <laughs> <laughs> he actually spoke very well. It was like quite yeah. an interesting chat and in what he was talking about. Um, there's not many times that I've had an opposition manager come like that. The last one was uh, Mickey Bill when he came with um QPR before oh, yeah, Mr. Loyal, yeah. Before he went up to, <laughs> up to Rangers. But it, it was quite an interesting um chat apart from that. Uh apart from the two bits that matter. Two, two bits two bits that bits
0: everybody bits. saw.
2: <laughs> the uh, the thing that I was really encouraged by Dan was <clears throat> we had wolves panicking. Um <clears throat> particularly in that first half. There were an awful lot of passes that went straight out of play. Bits of control that when Benny ran towards the fullback, he'd miscontrol it; it would go out of play. And then they had that horrible mix-up, didn't they? Where Dawson decided to have a shot on goal while Saar was coming in the opposite direction. Luckily for them, Kilman just got there before Ogbeni. But mm. it all struck of a side that had basket case written all over it, really. And and that wasn't because just because walls were or ah shit, it was because we put them under that pressure and forced them into that and, mm. and that was the encouraging thing we've said all along about the the effect that Kenworth Road can have Yeah, we didn't really see it against West Ham they killed it but we did see it on Saturday and going forward that is going to be so massive if we're going to stay up in this league I agree with you um, and
0: anybody who's seen Kenworth Road and like heard us and, and everything like that experienced it on a match day will tell you that it, it, it's a horrible place for other teams to come and play and that's how we like it. And we need to really, really take full advantage. I mean that that back pass. If you, you watch it, Ogbeni sort of sees it. That split second too late. He goes a split second early. That's a, that's a goal. I mean, I mean, I
2: don't know how you couldn't see that the goalie was coming. Anyway, he was dressed like a fucking banana. And, <laughs> I mean, you can't you can't miss you can't miss that coming at you. Surely, to grass. But, I mean, he, but he did, mind you. He did play for the lot down the road, didn't he? So. Um, Well, Maybe that explains it.
0: Yeah, I mean, he's probably watched
3: too many Harry Maguire videos as well. Well, The thing thing for me about the um, start of the game was that, and we talked about it before, there's an element that the players have to influence what the crowd does, but then the crowd get into it as well. Everything about that first 10 minutes was so, um, so Luton. The, mm. the atmosphere was absolutely fantastic. I mean, admittedly, I'd been moved back from the press benches on the bobbers back to the main stand, back to my old seat, uh, which I really liked because you are. I mean, I like the view and the first two, it was, it was unique, but the noise and the even the rumble of feet when people are getting excited mm. and there's a couple of people that sit in front of the press benches that bang on the uh, wooden bit on the front. I, I love all that stuff. I mean, one during the Watford game, someone knocked my plug out. I told (laughs) them. Yeah, I (laughs) I know what you're saying. (laughs) I love it. So it adds to the sort of uh, sense of it, really. So Mm. I I, I did enjoy
0: it. On that, what you're saying about um, Luton players sort of being under pressure to sort of influence the crowd in the first 20 minutes. Of old, if we hadn't got a goal, then it it was well known for other teams to say, look, try and silence them in the first 20 minutes. Just keep Luton out of it.
3: Yeah, no, I mean that, that doesn't a,
0: seem to be the case now because I think everybody's on board with what what Edwards and the team are trying to do. That was the conference tactics, wasn't it? it yeah, it was. It, it was a little bit like that before them, them days as well. I seem to remember everybody was like, "Look, get them, <laughs> keep them quiet for twenty minutes," which under Lenny Lawrence was piss easy to do. And then then the crowd start getting on the back. It's an advantage visiting team, but it doesn't seem to be the case so much anymore because everybody's on on the side now. Everybody sees what
2: we're doing and uh, again that's benefiting us. It really is yeah I mean we asked the boys to come out with a real fast start in the first 20 in the preview pod and that's exactly what they did with the post away from taking the lead for the second time Great shot in um, two Saturdays and if they both go in we might be sitting here on six points you know above some proper giant sides and alongside the likes of Man United and all that whereas as it is we're only on one point but Things are definitely heading in the right direction, that is for sure. And um, I mean, Rob alluded to that in his post-match presser. So uh, let's uh, let you hear what he said, because we sent James along to uh, get all the views of Rob Edwards and actually, as he alluded to earlier in the podcast, uh, Gary O'Neill. So here's what they had to say after the match.
1: Yeah, I'm pleased. I think it should have been all three. Um, But I'm really proud of the players. The performance was excellent a good day for the club I thought the supporters were, were great everything that we asked uh, of the players to give the crowd something to shout about to, to get them involved to engage them I thought we did that did it really well started the game so well probably the best we've ever played since we've been at the club I think the, the level of the game the fat Wolves couldn't really get out of their half completely dominated the game and we did really for the majority of it the vast majority one or two moments but Wolves are going to have that they've got some quality players so overall a real I'm really happy, really proud, but you know, we should have won. I think as the game with the way the game went, it's an opportunity missed because we did dominate the game. I think we deserve to win. Um to be so dominating with eleven men, when they get a man sent off, you know, you really want to try and then uh find a way to win. But they've got quality. I think Neto is a top player. We'd all agree with that. We lose the ball um cheaply and uh and he has got and he scores a great individual goal so then it you know it did become difficult so to get then something from the game becomes a bit more of a positive so i've got to look at the performance the lads are flat the lads are deflated because they all feel i think you know everyone could see it that was here today there was a win there for us um but i think it shows the how hard the premier league is i think it shows how good you've got to be you've got to be almost perfect then to to get anything from it and today we were close to that you know and in terms of how we wanted to play and um, but you know we haven't we haven't won. But I've got to try and look at the whole thing, and I've got to look at the performance. I've got to look at the improvement. I know there's loads more we can do. I know there's loads more we can be better at. But uh, we're competing. And we're competing well, especially in the especially in our three games. We're not giving big chances away, and uh, and we're looking a threat. I thought the red card was red. Uh, I don't think there's any doubts about that. I thought the my initial view on the the. Penalties that we've had better shouts over the last two games for penalties but we didn't get them um, but I think the hand is in a, in a or the arm is up and in an unnatural position I know it's deflected so um, if I was them maybe I'd be a little bit disappointed on that one but it's obviously been checked and uh, and stood so we'll, we'll certainly take it but I think we've had better shouts in the last two games to be honest yeah it's, it's never a penalty I mean it's a ter- absolutely terrible decision I think it um yeah, if that, if that is a penalty, we're in a real bad place with where the rules are. I mean, uh, I've got the rules that were sent to us on my phone and mitigating circumstances for handball are if it hits the same player on a different body part and has a significant change of di- trajectory, then it's not handball. That's, I want to move back away from that as quickly as we can because there's a group that underperformed massively for a spell. I asked big questions of them and they gave absolutely everything and, and we leave with a point which is probably more than what people would have expected with... 30 minutes on the clock.
2: yeah I think it's a fair assessment Um, Rob's still obviously delighted with what we do it's just now that final bit isn't it we kind of said it in the build up to the game James we said it after the Fulham game the performance levels now are where you need to be in the part of the Premier League that we're going to reside in this season I'm not really worried if we don't match the performance levels of Manchester City and Liverpool and all of that It's, it's not going to happen we're not going to be judged on it but these sort of seven, eight, nine teams that we are going to be in and around, we're there now, we've just got to put that ball in the back of the net and um, hopefully the fact that we've got a point, uh, I think Tom Lockie might have said something similar, um, we've got that point now, we can kind of, not relax, but there's a little bit of confidence now, they're not, they're not looking at a league table with a duck egg next to their name, it's Step by step, but we're getting there now. And, and now let's, the next step is now go and get
3: them three points. Yes, you can breathe easier, I think. is, is, mm, the, is That's the, point, the term I was looking yeah. at. <laughs> we'll help you with the words,
0: <laughs> <Yeah>.
3: <laughs> After you've muffed it up. Yeah. <laughs> um, yeah, I think it does take a little bit of a monkey off the back. Um, and, but they've known from the performance levels that the, the Fulham game, particularly, um, you know, parts of the west ham game but this one mainly this was the best uh, performance and that's all you can really ask for is we don't want to be this lightning fast start where it get like three wins quickly <laughs> on the board and you know it, it feels like they're coming honestly that's why I, I, you know anyone in, of a luton um tilt is not too worried it's just this outside noise where they're going well luton are going to struggle but like I say, the only, the only the only thing really is at this moment in time is like who's going to take the initiative and put the ball in the net because that's what we that's what we need. But you can't argue in the amount of uh, forward impetus and chances created, and uh, you know there was there was so many good performances on, on the day from everywhere. I mean, to the point that yeah, Lockyer. Lockyer didn't have um, the greatest moment for the goal. I mean, I think it, he showed a lot of nous, generally. You'd want him to clear out Neto and just take the yellow, maybe. But every other aspect of his game was wonderful, but he didn't have to do much defending. He didn't. He, he raked a couple of 40-yard balls out to the wings, which was, they were unbelievable. For <laughs> I thought Cal Naismith would come back, to be quite honest. <laughs> <laughs> and, and he was bursting out from the back, same as Bell, Burke, a lot of them. Um, Doubt, he had a great game. A um, couple of good crosses, a couple of dodgy options for shooting, which, you know, at the stage that he was doing it, it, it did feel like a little bit desperate, beca- only because they'd scored and it was so against the run of play. But he had a great game. Um, Morris had one of his um, best games in the Premier League, probably his best game in the Premier League. Um, and then, and then Chio. Fantastic. Yeah, I want
2: <laughs> to cheer on him. I'm, do you know what? I'm so proud of the performance against Wolves because. It's so easy when all of this outside noise has been coming along to slump our shoulders, to kind of be cautious, to be negative, to be defensive. But we weren't that. We were positive. We were on the front foot. We were looting. Our fo- our attacking centre-halves, the the two wide centre-halves, they went into the opposition half. Oh, this is 11 v 11, not just 11 v 10. They They were brave enough to commit and go forward. To join the attacks, to help Issa Kabore down the right hand side in Reese Burke's um, case, to help Alfie Doughty down the left hand side in Amari Bell's case, who I have to say was a very, very good once again. Amari Bell, we've called him out a couple of times earlier in the season for maybe not having hit the standards that he would expect. But at
3: Fulham, very good,
2: and on Saturday, very, very good.
3: But there were loads, there were were quite a handful of players that were slow to start. Um, Like we talked about, he was back to his best. Nakamba was slow to start. Didn't really have a lot of preseason in him. Too he was, he was back to it. Bell, another. Uh, Burke's come out flying since um, he's come back from uh, the injury. Um, so there's lots of positive stuff happening. It's just it's this incremental thing. But I, I think everybody Luton wise with a Luton head is relatively happy about it. And it, it is just the outside noise. You just got to block it out. You, yeah. I mean, you, exactly. you can have a moan up about it, but there's not. <laughs> You know, some of it's ridiculous, but the way that the rest of the football world talks about Luton is not the way that everybody of a Luton um tilt thinks about it. It's not it's it's a totally different. They're all thinking about well you must stay in the league, you must do this and you must do that. And that's not the agenda for Luton. Yeah. It, it's part of the plan. And and nobody can get nobody can wrap their head around it. It's it's quite amusing to watch because yeah. it, nobody's seen a team like Luton. And when you get up in in the Premier League, they're, they're talking about how you have to just try and survive and make the most of it. And you're like, listen, this is not pressure. Getting relegated to the Conference, pressure. Three, trying to get back f- up. Three failed playoffs in the Conference, that's pressure. Not nearly having a club, that's pressure. This is this is manner from Evan. Pretty much mm. everything we spoke to Wilco about on that podcast—that's
2: pressure. This is just happy days. Dan, there was a slight tweak to the formation on Saturday. Mm. Um, more of a three-four-three outlook to it rather than the five-three-two that we have had. And I think that front three—that's the thing that we're going to explore an awful lot because, yet again, Wolves have come with a front three. Every single side that we've played this season, bar none, have had a front three. Mm. We got a kind of blend into our surroundings there
0: we have I mean I think he's tried to keep in with his way of doing things since he's come in and since before he came in we, we played a sort of similar he's only tweaked the formation slightly um, just done little things here and there but when you when you are stepping up a level like we are you've you've got to adapt and adjust and you've got to have the nails to know when to change it when not to change it um, and I uh, I think very slowly. You know, we, we, we're getting there. It's it, you know, it, 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 like I say, it's progress. It's step by step progress, and we're getting there each time. And you know, if if we have to change the formation, I think with the th- front three of Brown, Morris, and uh, Ogbeni, it's not a bad three. It's not a bad three
3: with Elijah and Woodrow. With yeah, to exactly. Come on I'd like to, I'd like to see Woodrow get a bit more action. I, th- I think I thought Eli had a good uh, cameo as well when he came on Pelly as well. I mean, that that is is the other thing, I think, that there's good strength and depth there and everybody will be desperate to prove themselves. And that's what showed yesterday. When Pelly came on, added impetus, because it was a bit flat after the goal, you know, understandably, because... Disappointment. It came out of absolutely Mm. nowhere. (laughs) There was no threat of that whatsoever. And you're thinking, oh, no, here, here we go again. I mean, that's one thing we've got to sort of try and get used to. But the players responded, and that's the the two-way relationship, isn't it? Because the the crowd were really flat, the players upped it, and then we had a really good finish. And uh, you know, could have nicked something. There there was pepper in the box with with crosses and stuff. And um, yeah, unfortunately, the Benny one was it was clearly offside. But for a beautiful Mm. second, two seconds there, yeah, he thought, yes, Mm. they've done it, yeah. Yeah, indeed,
2: indeed. So, um, Let's go on to the decision, Dan, sending off. Uh, even Gary O'Neill hasn't had any complaints with that, so it must have been an obvious sending off. It yeah. was the right decision, and actually, fair play to whoever saw it. I'm not convinced it was the ref that saw it, because I'm pretty sure he was following the ball. But whoever did see it has got the right decision. I th- yeah, I mean,
0: I, I looked back at it, and he sort of sees sees there's a tussle going on, and he's, he's watching the play, and then I think he... He must have seen something out the corner of his eye because he he was pretty quick to dish out the red. Um It's yeah, there's no there's no complaints. You can get in a tussle with that. You could probably argue that has left his leg in there, but if you look at it, he can't really do a lot with it. And then the player's just gone and put his stud through him, and you, you can't do it. It's, it's violent conduct. It's a red card. Absolutely no. Yeah. No question. Um, bit, the
3: the now thing I talked about as well. I think there's an element. In previous games, and maybe uh, more so when Luton came up to the championship and trying to get you to the level where they weren't playing those, you weren't playing your full hand in those situations. Mm. And, um, I, I, you know, I applaud Tom for making the most of that because it, was, it, it, was, it wasn't good about it. But, it yeah. He was smart. He yeah. was smart in but not how, only, how he played not it. Not only Lockyer, but Mor- uh, Morris in coming to back him up and making the most of mm. it because, yeah, I don't think the ref saw it. I think his back was not to that incident and maybe the lino saw it or the fourth official yeah the lino's never see anything yeah but, but the fact that morris <laughs> made such a big deal out of it as well while um, lock is on the floor rolling around and doing the stamp i was going to say if you Martin, didn't know what happened yeah. Yeah.
2: morris made sure you did know what happened but yeah that,
3: but that those little things today are important because you know if you didn't if you didn't appeal for anything take the west ham um, big incident as well at the end where Ward-Prowse everybody sees it Cor- catches it doesn't it didn't it? seem like anyone appealed for that and you've got to at least try and put put that in the mind of an official I mean mm. if
2: it's the other way around they do exactly what Morris and Lockett did don't they so you know you've got to again fight fire with fire it's if you can get that advantage they're going to get it against you so you know a, a lot of the big clubs do it as well I mean
0: in the 90s with Manchester United Ferguson's main tactic was if it looks like a foul surround the ref till
2: he gives it (laughs) and it worked for years I mean even if like you could call it soft yeah you look at the Man City game I mean, Gibbs White's gone down like he's taken a right hand from old Zhizhu Zhang that beat Joe Joyce, but he barely got touched. <laughs> he barely got touched. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, he's down rolling around on the floor and the red card's out. And when you look at it back, all he's done really is just grabbed his neck a little bit. Yeah. And you'd think he's like knocked him out with the right hook. The, the, the still they showed for that doesn't Didn't really
0: tell the full picture because you see, the still has always got his hand around his neck, it's a red card. But when you look back at it, it's, yeah, it's, he's literally it's, just it's put like, his hand there, it? so, and so, so it's like a little tap, like yeah, that. Isn't it? it's absolutely- but I think. I think that's that's the thing as well like I have to tell non-football non fans who don't like football because they roll around like they're being hurt you, you, having to explain to people that don't get it that they're trying to gain an advantage is a pain in the ass.
2: well it does look particularly stupid at it, time it, it does
0: it does but if we're winning a free kick and it makes a difference between three points and a point yeah no absolutely carry on it, but it, <laughs> who, who, who's going right.
2: to who's going to tell them to stop it just at a time where uh, the rugby world Cup's going on and you know Hard men are actually hard men. Uh, it does look a bit.
0: They're rubbish footballers.
2: They are, but it does look apart from George Ford, thankfully enough. And um, yeah, it does look
3: stupid. <laughs> less, less of the egg chasing, please. Less.
2: Let's, let's come on to the uh, the main topic of conversation, then, James. Uh, it was certainly the main topic of conversation. On match of the day, after to be fair, Martin Keown did give chapter and verse on why Luton were uh, much improved on Saturday, which was actually. Um, Fair play. He'd also wrote a column uh, in his newspaper column about what we need to do to improve and to be fair. Thanks, Martin. It was basically uh, what we said on the podcast, really. So thanks for watching, Martin. And um, yeah. Yeah, we'll, mine. And if you're watching this one, well done, mate. Yeah. yeah. Um, so Issa Kavore picks the ball up in the box. It cuts inside. He has a shot. I think it was a shot. He has a shot across whatever you want to call it. He kick the ball. He did. He kicked it very hard. He kicked it at Jao Gomez. The ball hit his leg, flew up, hit his hand that was so high they had to redirect flights into Luton Airport just <laughs> in case they hit it. And the referee gave a penalty. Um VAR check. We saw that on the, our fancy new screen. that We had a VAR check. Three or four minutes later, or it felt like three or four minutes, four minutes later, finally the check was through. Penalty. We've already heard Gary O'Neill not happy about that. If you watched Match of the Day last night, you got chapter and verse about the decision. Unfortunately, you have got chapter and verse on the 2021 laws of the game, and we're playing the game in 2023, whereby all of this tosh about a deflection making any difference whatsoever to, that, uh, to the flight of the ball is all irrelevant because he is blocking a shot with his arm outstretched and he is effectively making his body bigger. Now, you just cannot do that, or if you do do that and the ball hits your arm, that is a penalty, regardless if it hits something or not. Where it where it works if the ball hits something, then it hits your arm, is Joe Taylor at Wembley. When you're attacking and the ball flicks up and hits your arm, that then is an incident. But when you are blocking a shot or anything like that, and if you've watched the Arsenal-Tottenham game, you've seen another one in that incident. If you make your body bigger, whether the ball goes like a pinball machine, if it hits the hand, it is a penalty. So the referee was absolutely right. Gary Lineker and Chums, sorry Martin if you're still watching, were <laughs> yeah. wrong. And um, we've got the IFAB law to uh, to prove it as well.
3: Yeah, I mean, that, that's, that's the thing. It, the referee gave it immediately. And and that's the thing for me. Fortunate enough now in the Premier League to have um, screens on the press desks and and video replays. And when I saw that it deflected off his boot and hit his arm, even I was thinking, "Oh no, VAR is not going to give this now," because it was in the rules.
2: You've always been a bit old-fashioned, and back in the day, I mean, look, you're wearing a 1986 Mexico shirt. You th- you're trying to make out to be an Ireland one, that's how back in the day you are. But to be fair,
3: <laughs> Shh. everybody just squint and pretend this is the Republic of Ireland. Shit, Just in tribute to <laughs> Rog Benny, but yeah, exactly <laughs> <laughs> as close as I can get. We ain't, we ain't got the budget for anything, more. I so, um, uh, <laughs> you mean, you're too tight to buy an Ireland, shirt. <laughs> yeah, it, it'll come, it'll come. <laughs> um, but yeah, uh, so I was, I was thinking that it was just a doubt of it because like we were talking about there were so many chances you're thinking how is this going to go and when going to get a penalty great and that's that's the chance to get back on terms and and then who knows after that if you know Luton we're playing pretty alright by that point so 25 minutes to go yeah absolutely mm. um, and so yeah even I I was surprised that in the heat of the moment that the bar just said it was fine which was great but then you know, I came out of the ground immediately and me and you were talking. And I'm like, "Get, go and check on the iFab website for me, can you pick Because I don't know, I, what I know rules how to are. live on a Saturday night. Yeah, me. we do, we do. <laughs> <laughs> but it's, it was just one of these, isn't it? But uh, This is where the confusion comes in because who knows what the rules are. They keep bloody well changing them. Yeah, but we did. We had a look and researched it. And as you say, the only actual... Um, thing you can probably have a bit of a debate about is the proximity argument about how close it was so it's a bit then laughable that me and you've done that research on our phones as I'm walking out the ground and then you go on match of the day and they're talking about the deflection off the boot onto the hand um I don't know if it was on match of the day but certainly in the press conference afterwards people were talking of the hand in the air and the position of it. And Gary O'Neill was certainly saying you can't slide in without your hand going up and stuff like that. Which he didn't. He was stood up. (laughs) But but either way, uh, I'm not talking about whether you agree with this rule because it is a bit nonsense because if you're going to slide, you're going to jump, your arms are going to go up. We all know this. But it is the rule. And it was in a – Unnatural position. And this is what we talked about when the James Ward prowse incident happened. We got the IFAB website up and we put it on the podcast, didn't we? Because it gives you a diagram of what handball is. And that's handball. Mm. So, quite why some professional pundits who were former professional footballers are talking about all these things that aren't currently in the laws is. It's beyond me. Because they never had
2: VAR when they played and they don't like it.
0: But
3: particularly when they've I got six
2: say. hours in a studio between an f- incident happening and discussing it on said TV programme to do exactly what we did in five minutes. Mm. Yeah. But they don't want to do that because the agenda is to criticise the VAR, which, to be fair, we've done it on this podcast, it's hard not to. But when it's right, they've got to be given fair, fair crack of the whip and they've got it right. They've got so many decisions wrong this season mm. – but that's not one of them. I mean, you mentioned about distance for, between ball and player, but even that's irrelevant because his hand is so far out of context of where it needs to be. I mean, he is it's a good three foot above his head. He's only blocking a shot. He do not need to, you know, he's, he's not trying, like I say, trying to circle planes or anything like that. So even the distance that it's travelled is irrelevant. His hand should not be there and it's just hit his hand. And yeah, it's it's a penalty
3: kick. Can you get your arm three foot above your head? He can, it's, he can, because <laughs> it was three foot above his head. And, <laughs> and, um. No, but it is. It, it it's it's frustrating. Uh, I don't want to like veer into conspiracy theories and that they've got an agenda against Luton I know that people say that are you trying to like say
2: that? that the presenters um football club that have been replaced by our beloved Luton town is uh, forming a vendetta of some
3: kind well <laughs> there,
2: there, there does seem to be a
3: um a stereotype about what Luton is and that they're not doing the right things and and that extends to how they play and and then then they can probably use as a Stick to poke them with the amount of chances they created yesterday, or shots they had, and they didn't score. And against him. they can add all that into the mix. But I'd, I'd not. I don't want to veer towards that on this occasion. I want to say that the rules are too confusing, and they keep changing them. <clears throat> and if the national broadcaster are getting it that wrong then there's something wrong with the rule. BBC getting things wrong. Oh,
2: I think, surely I think, not. I think the important thing to notice here is, I mean, you both alluded to the fact that these are footballers of a generation ago who were played under different laws of the game with no VAR or anything else like that. If you're going to take anyone's word for it, let's talk about the word of someone who's headed up these officials in the past, Chris Foy, who in a newspaper or article earlier on has, um, well, he said exactly why it is a penalty. Uh, and I'll read it, uh, quote um, his column. Wolves can have no complaints about the penalty. a Cabore's cross deflects off Zhao Gomez's foot and onto his hand, which is a long way above his head. It's actually three foot above his head, Chris. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> his arm is clearly not in a natural or normal position. You expect a gadget in a previous life. <laughs> that's what Josh Smith felt and VAR John Brooks agreed. The law is very clear. Gomez made his body unnaturally bigger it's that simple, and it is.
3: It is that simple. But yet, there's. I don't know if anybody's seen. There's a there's a fantastic Twitter spat. Oh, it's be, brilliant between um, Dale Johnson of ESPN, who's uh, like a VAR expert, and Gary Lineker, who's still doubling down on the fact that it was. He thinks it's a ridiculous decision. Who can we just clarify is not a VAR expert? No, and um, Dale Johnson gives a great account of every reason that they talked about and why it's not true. And why it's not in the laws It's why it's not true. <laughs> the only one he sort of concedes to is maybe the proximity. But he said, even so, in every, in almost every situation, I'm paraphrasing, maybe we'll get the thread up and you'll be able to see it on the screen um, if you're watching this, but he said, in every occasion, that's going to be a penalty. Um, so it's interesting. Uh, now I'm just saying that. Maybe there is an agenda against Luton then because... Unless you just really don't want to be proved wrong, which I don't think is very healthy. I mean, you know, if I'm proved wrong on something and a fact is a fact, then mm. the fair play, hold your hands up and go, well, I've learned something. Haven't you? Yeah.
2: Yep. yeah. And also match of the day, if you're not going to give five minutes on a clear James Ward-Prowse handball, don't give five minutes when you're wrong. Um, Did they even
3: feature it? They, they barely, did. They, they did look at it. They did. No, it
0: was the Fulham ones. They didn't feature the th- in it. The thing, the thing, also as well for just like when VAR was first introduced to the Premier League, you saw a lot of defenders defending with their hands behind the back, mm. sort of trying to avoid getting a penalty given against them. Um, so I don't know why we're still seeing people with their arms out three foot above the head as you quite rightly said. He was three foot it above his head. He was three foot above his head. But. They, he has no business having his arm up there. Whether it's a naturally trying to block it or what, whatever, it's no business up there, and that's why it's a penalty.
2: Yeah, exactly. And it wasn't smacked. You know, it wasn't deliberately smacked. It wasn't smacked his arm. at
0: him, no. Gabor is trying to score or or cross it exactly. for someone to score. You want
2: to put your arm in the way? We'll have a we'll have it from yards. Thank you. But,
3: and but also, if you go uh, back to the point I made earlier, the amount of sort of last ditch style blocks they were making, which it, you know, it's good defending, but. You don't want to be in those situations. And that's what that is, isn't it? You throw your body in the way like that. You're not thinking about your your hand position because you're just desperate to get in the way. So on the one hand, it's good defending. On the other hand, if your arm's going to be up like that, three feet above your head. (laughs) (laughs) This is a theme now for every penalty decision we talk about. Rather than talk about the rules of uh, penalties, somebody should get a tape measure out and see how far somebody can get their arm above their head. I wish i bought my with me
2: now. I've got quite a long arm. Uh, <laughs> it's
0: a good, good three-foot, mate. Yeah, yep. easily. It's
2: about three. I'd say two, three-foot. I, I mean, to throw yourself in front of everything is good defending. But the fact that you've got to throw yourself in front of something in the first place suggests that maybe somewhere someone's gone a bit peaked Tong somewhere along the line, you know, because you're taught to stand up as a defender, aren't you? So if you're actually going against that and something's gone something's gone wrong I, I thought or did Wolves,
0: we just have the edge on them there a little bit
2: a few yeah, times I, you I know? thought Wolves you know I thought Wolves Losing defended them. really really well to be mm. fair to them apart from the sort of basket case moments and, and they had to because our wide players were getting good quality balls into the box our midfielders were penetrating them and when when the ball got to Ogbeni uh, they couldn't cope and um, let's finish this podcast off on that positive of Chio Ogbeni we asked was it Chio time in the preview podcast. I think everyone knew it was Chio time, really. His performances on international duty just uh, confirmed that really, as did his cameo at Fulham. Uh, and within about five minutes, you just knew he was going to have a field day on Saturday because none of the fullbacks, and they tried three against him because he switched sides and obviously Doherty came off the bench and this, that, and the other. None of them could get close to him. He absolutely had, a brilliant game for a first Premier League start and I'm glad you corrected yourself on uh, Twitter when you called it his full debut full Premier League debut I don't think you could have asked for much more to be quite honest obviously you'd have loved him to have got to that ball when um, Dawson put it past the goalkeeper but I thought it was a really really promising full debut
3: oh he was brilliant um he was the man of the match as well let's oh, yeah. not if anyone's at the ground um, the sponsors gave it to Colton Morris which is just the most nonsense uh, I mean he was good because he scored he was good because he scored but because they want to meet him Benny was the man of the match by half time and he continued playing well into the second half so um, uh, yeah that that's uh, I mean we, they always get that wrong the sponsors a bit too much of the old Vino that's what it is isn't it <laughs> a complimentary Vino Um <laughs> sounds good to me actually to be fair <laughs> is how, that much you? How, you? how much time is it <laughs> no
2: I'm alright I'm quite happy with my position in the uh, kennel off end actually um, going forward though um, Dan it's we, we mentioned earlier in the podcast about our three up front I mean would mm. just looks ideal for one of the wide spots yep. you've got Morris who's obviously going to have the central spot yep uh, that's two of the three parts covered, really. Yeah,
0: and there's there's arguments for who takes that spot up, whether you move Dalty up into a more advanced position. Um, might have to sort his of shooting out a little bit, because I think, you know, if he's going to cut in and from wide positions and not cross it, shooting, I mean, he,
3: he scores great goals. He's got I mean, he's but, got his head filled with uh, goal of the month twice in a row, isn't he? So
0: Yeah, <laughs> I, th- I think that's it, but... Um, uh Carl Morris getting in the way because he needed, yeah, he, he should have had one earlier in the game. They've,
2: they've obviously had enough of Alfie winning goal of the season yeah getting in the way of his shots yeah, now. Please make sure stop it doing it. Yeah,
0: yeah. Uh, but there's there's arguments for other players. I mean, Elijah I still think has a future. I don't know I don't know why that's ever in doubt in some people's minds. But for me, you know, he still has a part to play this season, and he'll play a big part. Jacob Brown as well looks decent. Looks decent. What what I've seen of him, you know, he. he Tries hard, runs at people, wants to wants to do it. I think Benny's more or less cemented his spot from yesterday's performance alone. Um, Morris is always going to start, like you said. Um, it's, yeah, it's just who, but we've got options and they're good options. They're good options and we'll only improve as well. Like if any of them move on, we can trust Mick and the team to unearth another gem from nowhere. Like, like they keep doing year man. on year. Yeah.
3: He frightens the life. He frightened the life out of the wolves. Just they. Okay. Yeah. I mean, I
2: mean, when we signed him, we were getting ridiculed, weren't we?
0: Yeah. Oh, you've gone up to the Premier League, and you've signed, signed somebody who got relegated from yeah. the Championship. Well, but I suppose the
3: only thing you probably would say is that um, he's got unbelievable pace. But the, the fact that he's second fastest player in the Premier League the last three yeah. years after Carl Walker speaks for itself. That's fast. That is fast. Very fast. I mean, is rapid. <laughs> yesterday, um, the full-back's didn't know what hit him because it it you don't need a lot of skill when you've got that. He's like, you knock it past him and beat him for pace, and he did it numerous times. I suppose the one thing on that point about well, he's come up for the league one or the championship, and the, what they're talking about is it's the final ball and the execution. I suppose you'd kind of hope though with a run of games, absolutely, yeah, yeah. And run of games, games getting
0: well chances. Done. We've said it before with Elijah when he was struggling to score. You know, as soon as, as soon as you get
3: a goal, they'll start flying. Yeah. But, you know, that's, in the Premier League, that, that's what you need, and a bit of pace. And it was it was just old-fashioned wing play, and people loved that. It's bums-off-seat stuff, wasn't it? And he was so good. And I mean, the, the stuff, he was everywhere, really. I mean, some of his stats were fantastic, like 21 out of 23 passes completed, four chances created, two big ones, <laughs> uh, he had 43 touches, but then 100% dribble success rate, <laughs> which wow. is... Phenomenal. Um, It's good. If that's the start, then, you know, I can't wait to see what's going to come after that, because I was impressed with his little cameos. He was coming in and off the bench. Mm. But then that yesterday was just different, different gravy. I mean, the two stats that you've, sorry, Dan,
2: the two stats that you've not read out, eight crosses, four recoveries. Now we'll go on. We'll talk about Chio and the Everton uh, preview podcast. But going into these bigger away games, you're going to need someone who creates. But we're also going to need someone who gets the ball back, like Jacob Brown did at Fulham last week. Four recoveries is perfect going forward, and he can do the defensive work as he actually showed. Because Rob took Issa Kabore off, didn't he, for the last ten minutes? And um, Chio went to play right wing back, and he still had that left back on toast even then.
3: Yeah, uh, yeah. There's, I mean, it's it's such an exciting addition. Um, Really, uh, you've, saw, you've seen what he's did when he played for uh, Ireland as well. Again, squint if you're watching this. Ireland. <laughs> people, people on the audio podcast don't know what I'm talking about. I'm wearing a 1986 Mexico shirt. It's as close as I could get to the one island one. Um, and I had fajitas for dinner. <laughs>
2: but no sombrero, thankfully. <laughs> Thought but Sundays were for roast.
0: No mod. Yeah,
2: sorry. <laughs> Mexican roast. That's a good point. A <laughs> <laughs> It was really encouraging, though, Sorry. wasn't it? Just you know, uh, the fact that we called for him, everyone called for him. We wanted to see him. And he stood up and delivered, and he's got a confidence about him, hasn't he? Because earlier in the season, uh, he came back from international duty, didn't he? And he said we need to be more arrogant, which actually we called him out for because we want the confidence, not the arrogance sort of thing. But he's obviously got lots of belief in himself. And Jesus if you're that quick why wouldn't you have uh, mm. lots of belief in yourself
3: you know he's um, well, I spoke to him yesterday as well and obviously the talk was about how quick he is as well and he's he's just like well it's it's just a good given talent that I've got I've just got to exploit it really um, mm. and that's the right attitude
2: and also you think that he displayed that on a tight cramped surrounding at Kenilworth Road when we go to some of these big grounds where he's got lots of uh, particularly you know in away games where teams are coming at us and there's lots of space in behind
3: I mean, hello. Going to be yeah, yeah.
2: it's going to be worth watching. That is for sure. Yeah,
3: definitely. I just um, hope it. For me, that's an undroppable performance, isn't it? But also, we're talking about horses for courses per game, mm. and maybe it's a bit different in Goodison at the weekend. Who knows? It's, you know, it's definitely going to be a more physical battle. That's for sure.
2: Well, he's got to play him against Man City, isn't he? Because we've got to have fastest against second fastest in the Premier League. I know. that that would be pointless if you don't. Do that. That
0: could potentially end Walker's career, though. Well, do you know what I mean? It's
2: uh, yeah, that you're absolutely right, though. Very much. I mean, there was it was a day of plenty of positives for Luton, and and I think we all agree that the biggest positive was uh, the performance of Chiewog Benny, and of course the fact that we've got our first point. Just before we go, then um, let's have a quick look ahead to what's to come before the Everton game, and Dan trip to. Exeter in midweek in the third round of the Carabao Cup I think Rob alluded to it pretty much straight away he's going to make changes mm-hmm. so I would imagine that that means that the players that were on the bench on Saturday are going to see a lot more action and the one that I'm really interested in seeing is Ted and Mengi who we've not yet seen, he was on the bench yesterday Uh you would imagine him and Mads would get two of the defensive spots and um it'd be very interesting to see what he's like yeah definitely um, Especially if anybody Watched the um,
0: The FC24 Video Where they invited It's the, questionable That bloke Isn't <laughs> there's, there's a lot of Questions to be asked <laughs> Yeah he's not I, sure I
2: About his attributes yeah. He's very questionable A lot of them
0: But we know We know For Mads Anderson If in doubt What would Jan Mulby do
2: <laughs> Indeed yeah And James Shea <laughs> Doesn't give a shit No, couldn't, couldn't care less mate Couldn't care
0: less mate yeah, <laughs> Couldn't care less He would he, do, he, he does. <laughs> um, yeah, no, like you say, good good opportunity for uh, players that aren't quite getting minutes to get minutes. Um, I'd imagine, like you say, Anderson and Mengi will get two of them, three, I don't know who's going to get the third one, to be honest. Might bring a kid in. I don't know.
2: Yeah, might do, might play Pelly there.
0: Yeah, Pelly's, Pelly's uh, more than capable of doing it, might stick with one of the three that played Saturday. I wouldn't have thought Lockyer or Burke would
2: get a nod. No, it definitely won't be Bell either. I'm pretty sure he won't be no, yeah. we won't say near we exit with Bell. Not after what he said about managing his minutes uh, when he came back from international duty. I, I mean, think
0: that's we, probably a reason why he's he's sort of been off of it a little bit because with, with having a pre, not having a preseason but being away with your country, it, it does take it out. It's
2: it's completely different. Two different things. Agreed. Yeah. Or it could be an ideal time to play a back four to play three up front like he did against Gillingham. And let's just see how it works. You've got two centre-outs in Mengi and Anderson. You've got Giles, who's presumably going to be the left-back. Yep. Find someone at right-back. And um, then you can play three up front. Elijah, Woodrow. Um, in midfield, you've got Berry. You've got Pelly. You know, you've got Chong. So just, even though he's going to make changes, and he didn't actually commit to 11, but you just got to think that the proximity of the Everton game is probably going to mean yeah. near to 11 as possible still going to be a strong side when you read it out from one to 11
3: well this is the thing isn't it I mean all last season you'd say there was a strong 11 maybe one or two that could come in but they've got two sides now really that you can make a decent fist of a league cup or a FA Cup uh, contest it doesn't all have to be about the Premier League but at the same time if, if they go out and nobody's going to be that bothered but um, I know all due respect to Exeter as well but it's a game that you should be looking to win for you know confidence levels as well um, and yeah I, I just hope to see that it would be nice to see Mengi um, Giles obviously needs to build up a bit more confidence that would be a key one for me um, Adebayo surely starts um, and he'll be desperate to prove himself and that's the thing isn't it because um, I was always doubtful about um, games like that where you talk about players performing and then putting themselves in the shop window for the manager never seemed to quite work for me that never seemed to come to fruition but doubt he had a great game against Gilliam and now he's in the side over over Giles so maybe it's different under Edwards
2: yeah Brown as well started uh, the Fulham game Ogbeni 2 if you are going to Exeter on Tuesday night um, it will be a much changed side but there's still plenty to look forward to and uh, of course hopefully we can win the game then we're into the last 16 of a cup competition me personally I don't buy this bollocks that you want to be out of the cups if you're fighting a relegation battle I think every win you can get uh, breeds confidence and it will be a good thing particularly ahead of a big game at Everton on Saturday Okay, that's it for this episode of the podcast. Um Before we go, if you did listen to the David Wilkinson podcast, you'll have heard him say how important the trust is. If you're not a member of the trust and you'd like to be to give us a bigger and better voice, please do join. The link to do so is in the copy under where you've picked up this podcast. £10 for adults, £5 for uh, concessions. We will... Keep on fighting the good fight for all Luton fans. But the, more of, the uh, more of you that can join the trust, the bigger and better our voice can be. And as Wilco alluded to, that's very, very important. OK, that is it, as I say, for this episode. Thanks very much to the Hightown Club for hosting us. Thanks very much to Sean Grant and the Wolfgang for our wonderful intro, which I really enjoy. And to Ed Smith Creative for all the designs and everything that you see on our set. Thanks to you for listening. Thanks, James, to Dan for joining me. And until next time, come on, you at We're off the mark. Can you believe it? We are Premier really, League! Yes! I love this town. I love this town. I love this, this
3: town. You know what I love about this town? It's actually you. Everyone in it has got this massive
0: soul. Person. We're looking for people.